Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we are paying tribute to the late, great Sean Connery, uh, who passed away this past weekend at 90 years old. In the words of friend of the show, Kevin Smith, huge bucket of win. Um, <laughs> so to honor Sean Connery, we couldn't pick just one movie to talk about. So we decided to do one of our triple features. So today we're going to go through three films that we each picked. We each picked out one film of Sean Connery's that we're going to talk about for about 15, 20 minutes. Try to keep this short so we don't go on for two hours about Sean Connery. Um, so before we get into the movies, um, when you guys think of Sean Connery, what do you think of? Like, what what's the standout iconic Sean Connery thing to you, Devin? Oh, he's James Bond for me. Absolutely, he is. I mean, I've been introduced to James Bond, specifically his brand of James Bond, since I was a toddler. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's always my like, you know, as weird and as poorly written as some of his movies were, he's my Bond. Yeah. Uh, just so everyone knows at home, we will not be talking about any of his James Bond films in depth today. But if you want to hear one of us talk about a James Bond film in depth, you can head over to Victims and Villains, where I talk to Josh over there about Goldfinger for about an hour. Uh, that episode should be out. You can find that wherever you find podcasts. Uh, it's Victims and Villains. Um, Ryan, how about you? What, when you think Sean Connery, what do you think of? Hunt for the Red October. Okay. Uh, that was probably one of the first time. Like, like I, I saw the James Bond movies when I was a kid. Um, I'd seen other stuff that he that that he was in, but it wasn't until Hunt Hunt for the Red October that I started looking for him and stuff. And it wasn't until after that that, that I realized, oh, he's James Bond. Like, <laughs> so for me, it's he'll always be Doctor Henry Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good Junior, point. I remembered my Charlemagne. Like, <laughs> um, it's going to be really hard for me not to slip into that voice because for this podcast and Victims, I've had to watch four Sean Connery movies in the last 24 hours. So my, my inner monologue is just Sean Connery. You and brave, not, like, man. not like actual Sean Connery. It's Dale Hammond Sean Connery from SNL. <laughs> Which is another thing that I just know Sean Connery from. Like, that's not what your mother said last night, Trebek. <laughs> a penis schmeiter. One of my favorite occurrences of Sean Connery, I think. Yeah. Um, wait, hold on, Alan. We have a quick weird Sean Connery thing. Do you remember in high school, Sean's Treasures? Or was that before your time? I don't remember that. So we were in high school, and for some reason, there was a group of kids around the band room. And what they would do is they would just slip sexy pictures of Sean Connery into people's like band lockers, instrument cases, book bags or anything. (laughs) And it would just be like Sean Connery shirtless on the beach or Sean Connery thinking on a chair with no shirt on. And it would just at the bottom of every picture say, you found one of Sean's treasures and that's it. And like, that's partly like what I always know him from. I vaguely remember (laughs) that now that you bring it up. It, I don't know why that was a thing we did, but I love it. Uh, I have a Sean Connery story. Oh, yeah. Isn't isn't my story to tell, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, <laughs> so in the year 1970, Sean Connery had a film called The Molly Maguires, which filmed outside of Shamokin, Pennsylvania, where my wife is from. Hmm. And uh, so when they were filming this movie, 
her her dad, who was in his early 20s at the time, late teens, early 20s, decided to go out to the town where they were filming this and try to see Sean Connery. And so they drove out to the town where they were filming and couldn't find the, the production at all. They looked everywhere in the town where they were supposed to be, couldn't find anything, spent all day looking, couldn't look it up on the internet because the internet wasn't a thing. They returned home defeated to find out that the cast and crew came into the town they were living in and talked to everyone at the house. And like one of the, like, I think his sister or cousin got his, their picture taken as a baby with Sean Connery. Oh man. So like they missed out, but just because they went out to look for him, if they had stayed put, they would have seen Sean Connery. That's so funny. Um, so yeah. That, Ryan, that's... do you have any do you have any good Sean Connery memories? No, no. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, all right. <clears throat> so we're going to go in chronological order. So we are going to start with 1987's The Untouchables, which was Devin's pick. It was my pick. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. All right, Devin, take it away. All right, so The Untouchables, uh, like Ryan, or like Alan said, was a 1987 movie directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, it stars Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, and Robert De Niro. It tells the story of Elliot Van Ness and his group called The Untouchables as they work to take down Al Capone. Now, this is a movie that I'd seen when I was probably about in high school, I went on this, like what I deemed an old movie kick uh, where I watched like this, I watched bullet I watched um, uh, what else I watched. Like, I don't know uh, the great escape, like those kinds of movies. And this just like made the list. Uh, and I immediately fell in love with this movie, watched it, I think three times when I was in high school and then hadn't watched it again, but it was always in the back of my mind as like a good movie. So before we go into anything specific, um, I think Alan, you've seen it before. Ryan, you haven't. I have not. I I haven't even heard of this movie before, and that's really and that's and, and that's really surprising because Kevin Costner's in it. And <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a Kevin but, Costner fan, so yeah. But he doesn't play baseball, so it makes sense that you haven't seen it. True, <laughs> true. His name's not Crash Davis, and his name's not Billy Chapel. So you know, yeah. I <laughs> um, yeah, I had seen this. I think in college. I think friend of the show, Chad made me watch this because i believe this is one of his favorite movies i could be wrong i could be wrong but we're gonna go with that i'll go with it if he disagrees about right oh well uh but yeah so i saw that then uh on dvd or something so this wasn't one that we had to watch in film class but i just remember watching it and really enjoying it uh because you've got all these powerhouse actors even andy garcia like a young andy garcia shows up in this um and it's just great storytelling. The scripts by David Mamet. So, uh, Ryan says this was the first time you saw The Untouchables. What did you think? I actually really liked it, and and I'm really not a fan of like gangster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was a different feel because it was actually based on true events. <laughs> um, it's a little different than what actually happened, but it, it's pretty much like the, the the same flow of the actual uh, historical account. Um, 
but it was definitely interesting. And I was not expecting like the other people who were in it. Like I was surprised to see Kevin Costner was in it. I was surprised to see Al Pacino was in it. I had, I wasn't expecting any of that. I just found it on my stars subscription on Amazon and hit play and <laughs> what I had off no idea. Went. <laughs> yeah. And off I went. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of like, so did, did you look into historical accuracies of this movie at all? Towards the end. Like yeah. as the movie was wrapping up and I was like, oh, because as soon as the one guy mentioned how like they were going to get him for like tax evasion, I was like, wait, wait, this is based off the true story. And yeah. I and like I quickly went to Wiki and I just read like the quick like synopsis of like the whole like tax evasion thing with him. Mm-hmm. And I caught that Kevin Costner's character's name was the actual like federal agent that went to Chicago to like get Capone. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I put my phone down, watched like the majority of it. And then during like the court thing, I was Mm -hmm. going back and forth between looking at the screen and looking at my phone just to see like what the similarities were. Yeah, they got some like really interesting things completely right about this. Um, Like everything that Al Capone wore in the movie or um, everything that who's an actor, um, Robert De Niro wore as Al Capone, like was fact checked and was something Al Capone really wore. Apparently, they got him the same brand of silk underpants that Al Capone wore, even though they never appear on film. Like, Robert De Niro needed the underpants, which I thought was really cool. And it was weird that, like, the ca- or the uh, the costuming was done by Giorgio Armani. So, like, they're running around in, like, Armani suits, which I thought was kind of an interesting fact. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, they're Chicago gangsters. Of course, they're going to wear... Armani suits. The federal agents, I'm not sure if they're going to be having that kind of a wage, especially back in the 30s to do that, but I digress. <laughs> so, Ryan, you're you're a Midwestern boy. What did you think of the Chicagoness of this movie? Oh, it fit. It fit? It fit. Especially when especially when the Canadian Mountie was like, I don't approve of your tactics. And then Kevin Costner looked over and said, well, you're not from Chicago. <laughs> <You're> not from- <laughs> I was like, yep. <laughs> Nailed it. So, Ryan, since you had never heard of this movie before, yeah. what is – was there a moment that was very iconic to you that stood out? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he was at the train station waiting for the bookkeeper to come out, mm-hmm. there is a – there is a specific scene in one of the naked gun movies and I've never been able to place what they were referencing until now. Okay. <laughs> and so there's a scene. Do you guys know, do you guys know what I'm talking about? I've never yeah. seen naked gun. So okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know the naked gun reference. Okay. So, um, what happens is the naked gun guy, the actor, the, the Leslie one who Nielsen? used to, yeah. yeah, he's at like a train stop, a bank. I forget what the building is, but it's that type of like stone staircase and he's waiting for something and the video is really slow and you can see that he's really nervous. And then finally, like the person he wants to get comes out, but then Uh like, but then like somebody yells my baby and like a carriage starts falling down the stairs and then he goes to runs for it. And then like three other mothers run out and they all scream my babies. And there's like 15 baby carriages going down the stairs. And then somebody yells the postman. And then like crazy 
postmen come out of the building shooting people up and it's just one thing after another one thing after another that keeps on distracting him from getting to the guy that he needs and i had no idea where that was from and i've seen a ton of movies i was like i'll see it eventually and i finally got that so like as i was watching that scene i was laughing a little bit because i was like ah i get the naked gun reference now get it (laughs) i love that i can't believe you've never seen naked gun i you know what? And uh, my wife is a huge Leslie Nielsen fan, and like this is like on my list. Because isn't he also an airplane? Yes. Yeah. See, I don't know that for real. So like, you know, these are all on my list still. Uh, I have the Naked Gun movies on DVD that I just got for five dollars. Oh my gosh! I will lend them to you before you move away. You need to because I need to watch them. And one of the best things is that he also played a cop in an actual cop drama before he started making those cop comedy movies. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was known for that. He was known for being on like a very successful cop drama for years before he did those films. Oh, that's cool. So it like ended like lent an air of credibility to him then. Yeah, that's awesome. Surely we're not talking about Leslie Nielsen in our Sean Connery tribute episode. (laughs) Actually, so pivoting quick to Sean Connery. He won a BAFTA for his performance in this uh, for best uh, best actor in a supporting role. Um, I believe he won the Oscar, too. I think he might have. He did win the Oscar for best supporting actor. Yep. So and was this and, and I haven't really researched other movies. Was this the only award winning role that we've watched today? So I of believe the so. other two. Yes. Do you guys think his performance was worth it? Like, was it that good in this? I think it may have been more of a career award. Like he's good in this. Don't get me wrong. I think it's one of those awards where it's like, okay, you've been in the industry long enough. You have this iconic film history. We're going to give you the award for best supporting actor. Let me see what he was up against. Ryan, what did you think? I mean, to be honest, I mean, I liked his performance in it. But to be mm-hmm. honest, I was kind of disappointed with his, I mean, with his character in the film. I mean, granted, they needed something like that to happen. Yeah, you know, I do. But at the same time, was one like I thought he would be more involved in it. Like I thought, you mm-hmm. know, because we were picking Sean Connery movies, and the movies that Alan and I had were both like, were like he was the focal point. Very Sean Connery. It. Yeah. Um. And this was more or less like Sean Connery being like, you know, I'm I'm basically at the age of somebody who's retired. I just need to work part time, so I'm going to do a backup to somebody else. Like I wasn't expecting that. I thought yeah. he was going to. He was be very much like a mentor. The film. Yeah, but right. out of all out of all the films that we talk about, this is the earliest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, so the other nominees that year mm-hmm. were Albert Brooks for for Broadcast News, oh. Morgan Freeman for Street Smart, oh, Vincent Garneda for Moonstruck, and Denzel Washington for Cry Freedom. I don't think I've seen any of those movies. I know. Mo- I know. I knew most of them. By name, like I know the actors' names. I haven't seen broadcast news. I need to. Um, but isn't that the I'm mad like hell and I'm not going to take it anymore? Like him no, shutting that, it out the that's, windows. That's that's network. Okay. Yeah, Broad- that sounds like the same. Broadcast news is a, a comedy. Oh, I okay. Um, if it's yeah. a comedy, then it's not going to win an award. Yeah. Well, I mean, here was the thing for me with his performance here is I went into it going, okay, this is of the three of ours. This is the one that won him the award. And I was like expecting a little bit more from his performance, I think, because 
and I don't want to spoil the rest of it, I like his characters in the other movies better. Like, he has a good character in this movie. Don't get me wrong. And there are definitely some cool, like, unique things that he does. But I I don't think I liked it as much. I think it was, a, you know, not as good of a performance. I feel like he was just playing, like, what if James Bond never became James Bond and he moved to the United States and became a beat cop? Like, that's yeah. kind of how I took his character. Like, <laughs> I, I see that. Um, okay, so... I loved this movie growing up and as I was watching it, something kind of struck me and I want to know if you guys had the same experience or if I just had like a bad TV. But when I was watching it, I feel like this is a good movie that's kind of ruined by the sound design and the sound mixing. So like the background music is what it is and the score is what it is. But I feel like in some like really good tense scenes, it would just all of a sudden just go with this like obnoxious discordant noise that I guess was like tense music. And it took me right out of the scene. Like every time. I didn't notice any of that. And I was wearing headphones. Oh, okay. I mean, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it can be jarring depending on the setup, but yeah, Yeah. it it does suffer in a little bit of technical aspects. There is the scene in the church, the iconic scene that we quoted at the beginning of this segment. I didn't tell Ryan this, but each segment's going to have a, a iconic quote from Sean Connery before we move into the movie. Uh, that scene in the church where he says, "That's the Chicago way." Uh, the way they have it framed, there's like the the two shot of Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. and then there's a shot looking down the aisle where Kevin Costner's like back, and then Sean Connery's in the front. Yeah, and like go, jumping back and forth. Like they're definitely moving way more than they should. <laughs> and I noticed that and it, it bugged me immensely. No, and there were definitely a, a few technical things about this movie that just made it feel a little bit unclean. And I guess that was, I thought it was the style they were going for because I mean, there are definitely very clean, very artistically shot movies in the eighties, but you could tell sometimes they're just like throwing stuff at the wall. Like, all right, this is a long shot of a window. Now we're going to do a POV shot of someone going to murder Sean Connery and then switch quick. And like, I don't know if any of those scenes were particularly effective. Like if the camera tricks were as effective as they could have been. I just think that it was like, okay, we did it. You know, check off artistic shot. Got it. Yeah. And like, I don't want to think that way because I like this movie. I don't know. Did you get any of that, Ryan? I mean, it could be. But then again, that shouldn't take away your enjoyment of it. That's true. Maybe I'm just picky. Like maybe I'm just like overly critical. You're 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 overthinking it. Yeah, that's what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the whole like, okay, for me, this movie was made in what eighty seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those type of artistic type shots, you know, doing the whole like point of view thing for the killer going into Sean Connery's apartment. Like mm-hmm. I've seen that in so many eighties movies. It doesn't bother me. It's just something that goes with that time era. Like, you know, Mary Poppins and having the film speed sped up doesn't bother me because that's what they did during that era for film. Mm -hmm. So, you know. You're just able to like kind of be like, okay, this is just what they did. This is, you know, this is like, hey, in the 19 in the 1950s, they put chrome on everything on cars. So if you have a car from the 1950s, it's going to have chrome. Yeah. If you're going to watch a movie from the mid 80s, it's going to have a really bad point of view shot. It's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so anything else on the Untouchables before we move on? Best scene in the movie, in my opinion, was made better by Bob, my stepdad, who came into the room 
and in time with Kevin Costner said he's in the car <laughs> at the very end. I don't know why I loved that. It was it like made my night. I was like, nice. yes. Um, just a fun fact about the real life Elliot Ness. Uh huh. Went went against Al Capone was all for prohibition. Ended up an alcoholic. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, I think that's why they had him say at the very last part of the movie, I think I'll have a drink. I have a feeling that's a nod. Now that I'm hearing that, I have a feeling that's a little joke like (laughs) about the character. I see that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that does it for the Untouchables. Now we're moving on to Ryan's pick, which is kind of a do over because this is a lost episode. Ryan, (laughs) talk to us about the hunt for Red October. Hey, Ryan, be careful what you shoot at. Huh? Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Okay, so The Hunt for the Red October is a 1990s film um, that stars Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, Scott Glenn, um, and a few other people. Uh, the director, uh, John McTurman? Turman? Uh, also did Die Hard. Yes, he also did Die Hard, Predator, Last Action Hero, um, oh. which I had no idea until I just looked it up right now. But <laughs> anyway, um, this was like this was probably not the first Sean Connery movie that I watched, but definitely one when I was like like nine, ten, like getting into the whole like, oh, the army's cool. Like watching war movies was a cool thing. You know, buying the army micro machines were fun for me. So anything military, it was like right up my like alley. And this was the movie that got me into like submarines for a little bit. Like I was in a huge submarine kick after this movie when I was a kid. Um, And it was after this movie that I started looking for Sean Connery and in other stuff. So this is what I whenever people start talking about whenever anybody talk about Sean Connery, I think of him in a Soviet submarine captain's uniform and not a suit and tie and not a Navy seal wetsuit. So (laughs) yeah, this is one. how did you guys feel about it? This is one that we did about two years ago, about probably three months before Devin joined the show. Yeah. This is one of our lost episodes. It was this and Dr. Strangelove. Yep. Um, so I was trying to remember what my opinions were then. Uh, I enjoyed this. I really like Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan. I like how the film handles the whole Russian to English transition. Um, and I also enjoy uh, Sean Connery's performance because he's he knows who he is. He's steadfast and everything that he does throughout the film. And I really enjoyed it. Devin, what did you think? So this is my first time watching it. This is a movie has always kind of been on my radar under a category that I keep calling new movies. I need to watch uh, platoon is also on there. I don't know why it's under new movies, but that's like a category of mine. <laughs> Can we, uh, you need to look up the definition of new. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm just like, eh, it's too new. I'll catch it later. But I loved this movie. I think this movie this movie had me drawn in from the second him and Sam Neill were talking about it being cold. Like I was like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on, but I need to watch all of this right now. (laughs) And I mean, I mean, Sean Connery is a powerhouse in this and absolutely steals. I think every scene that he's in, he's the reason I kept watching the movie Uh, and jarringly young Alec Baldwin 
uh, in ways that he didn't. Oh, but older than he is in Beetlejuice. Did not know he was in Beetlejuice. Oh, no. Have you, have you not seen Beetlejuice? Not in a very long time. Like, not before I didn't. Like, when I watched it, I didn't know who Alec Baldwin was. Well, spooky season's over, so now we can't do Beetlejuice. Thanks, Doing it Devin. next year. Doing it next oh, year. Oh, we can do Beetlejuice year. whenever. That's not a spooky <laughs> movie. It's a, it's a spooky season movie. It is. No, it's not. That's an all-year-round movie. <laughs> it's Tim Burton. They oh. didn't die around Halloween. They died technically in the summer. I mean, technically, it's a summer movie. I don't remember anyone dying in that movie. Yeah, it's because you don't remember you that Alec Baldwin's in it. that movie. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Oh, Crying man. out loud. Oh, um, anyway, so let's talk about some other people in this movie. Uh, we got James Old Jones. We got yeah. uh, Tim, Curry. Tim Curry, Sam Neill. Um, I feel like there's more that I'm missing. But... I'm going to be lame for a You've second. You've got Scott I... Glenn. Scott Who's Glenn? Scott Glenn? Uh, he's he... in Backdrafts, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah, I. this was one of those movies where I kept going, oh, there's also really young Stalin Skarsgård in this movie. Yep. Which, like, mm-hmm. blew me away when I saw him. Like, that happened a lot in this movie where I'm like, James Earl Jones? <laughs> like, every time a new person popped up, I was like, What? It's, it's a powerhouse of a film. Like, it really is. All right, so I have an annoying question about the history of what's going on in this movie. Is this okay. the first Jack Ryan movie we've ever gotten? Yes. It is? Because I, I know he's, so. he's this one, and he's in Clear and Present Danger as well, and then he's got the whole Jack Ryan series. But I well, didn't know this Danger was the first Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games are two Harrison Ford movies. Oh, wow. So... Is this like, do we know when this is in Jack Ryan's career or like, is he just like, like audience insert character that just knows a lot? Well, the thing is, this is all based off. Obviously, everybody knows that this is all based off the book series and the movies don't really go off. Like, I think the Harrison Ford movies kind of do a better job of placing the story in Jack Ryan's life. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the other films don't. Okay. Because I know with the movie, uh, some of all fears, what they were trying to do with Ben Affleck was like create like a new line of like Jack Ryan movies. Like they wanted to make oh. more. Oh, so wow. but but they wanted to do it differently. Like they wanted to take the actual stories, but then place them at a different point in his life than what they showed in the books. OK. And it just never took off. Yeah, they tried to make the Jack Ryan series work a few different times. Yeah, because not yeah. only did you have the. You have the Ben Affleck one. You also had 2014's Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit starring Chris Pine and Kevin Costner and Kira Knightley, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Whoa, um, why have I not seen that? I don't know. I might have to put it on the list. You might have to. It sounds that, amazing. That's a, that's a lot of pedigree. Um, and then now you have the John Krasinski show on Amazon. Yeah. Which yeah. I'd be really interesting – that seems to take place modern day, so I'd be really interested to see like an updated take on Hunt for Red October. Oh, that would be cool. Um, I don't I know if they'll they do that could. though. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you could do that modern take. <laughs> I mean, you could do something like it. True, you could. It's just this movie, and one of the reasons why I like it. It's so in depth into the Cold War and mm-hmm. like the Cold War mindset, and that's why I like this so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I mean, especially 
that quote at the end about why Sean Connery defected, I thought was really good. Which, by the way, I didn't know that was the plot. I didn't know Sean Connery was the bad guy. I knew he was in it. I thought he was like old-timey mentor. And then when they were like, oh, he's defecting, I went, oh. And like thought it was like, I don't know. I thought this was such a cool twist that I had missed forever. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't consider him the bad guy in this. I mean, isn't Stalin Skarsgård like the surprise bad guy at the Kinda, end? Kind of, yeah. But like, I mean, I just – so I here's what my dumb brain did. I saw Sean Connery speak Russian and went, that's not a Russian accent. Then I went, this is Cold War. I guess he's the bad guy. That's weird. And then, like, he didn't, he wasn't, and I was happy at the end. Yeah, I. one of the reasons why I love this movie so much when I was a kid was because I was, like, I'm dyslexic. And I reading is a lot easier for me now. But when I was younger, like, forget about it. Like, even into high school, it, it was a no-go. Like, subtitles of any kind were horrible for me. And... When I saw this, I got really irritated at first. I was like, Dad, why do you want me to watch this? I have no idea what they're saying. And typically what he would do is he would read me what was being said. And I was getting annoyed because I was hearing Russian and my dad telling me what it was. And then he stopped telling me what the Russian was saying when he was reading the book. And I was getting really annoyed. But then it switched to English. And I think I literally tapped the side of my head because I thought I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> I, I know Russian now. <laughs> Did I learn Russian? <laughs> and then, but what I love about that is that it, 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 it allows the actors to speak in their normal tongue mm -hmm. because they don't need to throw on a Russian accent because they've already shown that they were speaking Russian and they're like filtering it to English in a sense. So they didn't need to hide their accents. You could have had a, a, a boat full of Russian Scotsmen and I wouldn't have cared. I mean, <laughs> you kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so the, I forget what I was going to say. I completely lost my train it's of okay. thought. So while you're talking or while you're remembering that, the one thing that this movie I think solidified for me is I feel like Sean Connery was one of the last true like movie stars. Like not great actors. He is a movie star. You do not cast Sean Connery as a Russian. You cast Sean Connery and you just throw him in Russian clothes. But he is unequivocally just Sean Connery <laughs> in every scene. Yes, and that that's what I wanted to say. Like he's Sean Connery, so he doesn't have to do a Russian accent. Right. And you don't, don't want him to do one. Yeah, you don't want him to do one because I don't know what that would sound like. It just makes your head explode. Uh, <laughs> well, isn't yeah. he also in like Pearl Harbor as like the Japanese commander or something and isn't even close to like throwing what on are a you Japanese affectation? No, Hold on. I don't think so. What are you talking about? Alex Baldwin's in Pearl Harbor. Who am I thinking of? Am I thinking of You Only Live Twice? I Possibly. think I am. I think I am. Never mind. Ignore me. Okay. Yeah. So, Devin, since this was your first time watching it, what was? is there any moment that was very iconic to you for this film? <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I knew about this movie was at one point – Sean Connery said Red October. And that was like all that I knew about the movie. And it was about submarines. So like, I didn't know about any iconic scenes and I still don't know if I know like what scenes are iconic aside from like, uh, I think yeah. the most quotable line from this is things on the shop don't react well to bullets. Yeah, I can, I can no. see that. 
to me, the most iconic scene is that line, but it's Alec Baldwin making a say, uh, quoting Sean Connery's character saying that line as he's doing a Sean Connery voice because he's on that like catwalk <laughs> thing. Yeah. And he's, and, and was it? <laughs> he says that back to him, but he says it like Sean Connery. <laughs> That's awesome. And I didn't think I caught that. So Devin, I have a question for you. Then. Okay. Do you only know Sean Connery says red October in this from the family guy, star Wars special? Yes. 100%. Okay. Yes. Red October yeah. standing by. Yep. That's all I know it from, really. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I, I think my favorite scene, and this is weird, but I think my favorite scene is the end scene with the two of them on the sub pulling into the river, like in the island by where Jack Ryan grew up. I you love mean the, that. You mean the really bad blue filter with the blue oh, screen background? The, 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 <laughs> it was okay. Yeah. The, the day for night scene. Like, oh, I hate I, that yeah. scene. Like, I love that scene. I just, like, oh, I might have to go in and color correct that. <laughs> i mean here's the thing is there were some pretty bad moments like uh like cg wise or like effects wise but i don't think it like inhib like it hurt the story in any way really like the the missile scene was a little bit hokey when you were following the missile like the explosion scene looked pretty bad like but well, like, which explosion scene at the very end uh where they like blew up red october like it exploded and all of the crew was like standing by watching it explode. When a submarine explodes close to the surface, mm-hmm. it push. Oh, I don't mean like the surface. The surface part looked really good. I meant when you saw underwater and they had like lightning streaks going across the sub, like when it showed it like blowing up underwater. Okay. I, think I guess this is me from what I was saying. The movie was made in 1990 and I've seen oh, action yeah. films from 1990. So I probably just block all that out. Oh, well, that's the thing is like, <laughs> Like I said, it's it looks a little hokey by nowadays standards, yeah. but I think the movie holds up, and I would have anyone watch this movie. Yeah. Like even like the, you know, oh, give me only realism. Like I would have them watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and because of this movie, I actually seek out submarine movies. Like if I see like an underwater movie or like something that has to do with like military and stuff. Like th- there's another movie that has to do with military submarines, and I always get that one, and this one can confuse sometimes. What is it? I don't rem- at the moment. I don't remember. I was trying to think of it today, <laughs> but I never had the chance to Google that. No, no, the because maker. that's uh, that's 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 World War Two. Okay, so it's not K nineteen, the Whittlemaker. No. Okay, I don't know then. That's that, <laughs> those are the three sub movies I know. There's another uh, submarine movie that was made around the same time. So. Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to close out of this window. <laughs> well, don't do that until we talk about my pick for the, for this episode. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great transition for me to talk about Michael Bay's The Rock. Oh. You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. Really? Yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So before we get into this, which one of you hadn't seen this movie before? So neither of you had seen this. Yeah. No, oh, no, boy. no. I'm I'm pointing to Devin. Pointing oh, yeah, to it's, oh. Yeah. yeah. You actually are yeah. pointing to me in this. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> 
Okay, so The Rock is a 1996 film directed by Sean Connery, or di- directed by Michael Bay, not starring Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, uh, where Sean Connery plays a former prisoner of the of of of, of I almost said Azkaban, uh, <laughs> Alcatraz. <laughs> Uh, the Mountain Dew's hitting me now. Who uh, a, a prisoner who escaped Alcatraz back in the day and is the only one who can get Nicolas Cage back onto the island to stop terrorists. So, Devin, since this was your first time seeing The Rock, what did you think? A, I loved it. B, I have never seen a more Michael Bay movie in my entire life. Literally, <laughs> the opening credits were explosions. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, just I mean, The Rock when like the, the title card came in was just explosions, and I it just it set the tone and it kept it there. And Nicolas Cage was in this movie, and I'm just riding high off of Vampire's Kiss. So this was this hit all the right notes today for me. <laughs> Ryan, what is your opinion of The Rock? Um, if if somebody ever asks me. Like so, what does a like what does a Michael Bay movie look like? The The Rock. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. um, it's definitely like it's not one of my favorite action movies, but it, it's one that if I ever came across when I was flipping through channels, I would just land on and stay, just because like regardless of where it was in the film, I would just stay and watch it. Um, when I was in when I was in high school, it was one that I'd watch routinely. Like I really, really liked it. And then I think one day I watched it once, and I was like, eh, "This isn't is I'm not getting the same enjoyment out of it as I used to." <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Well, hold on. Yeah. What what in it aged for you? I really need to know this. Like, at what point were you like, "These antics aren't enough for me"? It's just the. It's when I realized that the reality of the storyline was literally like 45 minutes. And the rest of the movie is just pan shots and shooting. It's just pan. And that's when I was like, yeah, because I mean, look, I am somebody who watched the movie, the original Triple X movie with Vin Diesel. I had that. I watched that probably 30 times in one month. Wow. I watched it under every language option that came with the DVD with every subtitle option because I didn't care what they were saying. I could have cared less. <laughs> All I wanted was the cars, the action, you know, that was it. Mm-hmm. And that was the kind of person I was in high school for a short time where I was just like, give me action movies. I don't care what's going on. I just, I want, I want explosions and I want guns. Mm-hmm. And that's what The Rock was. And then eventually when I was like, I want more. That's when this movie started falling way out of like my top 10. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so Devin, what did you think of Sean Connery's character in this? Oh, I loved it again. I think, okay. Nicholas Cage is typically the one person in a movie that'll just chew through the scenery. And I think he finally found the one person that kind of puts him in his place in this movie. Because <laughs> I didn't give a crap about Nicholas Cage. And that is something coming from me. I wanted to see more Sean Connery all the time. Yeah, Sean Connery in this is pretty much playing a retired James Bond. Yeah, really. And um, he does put Nicolas Cage in his, in his place, uh, and he has some great lines like, uh, 
Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Right. Uh, and Nicholas just, Cage goes, she she was the prom queen. Yeah. <laughs> she was the prom queen. Uh, oh my gosh. I got okay, so I gotta tell you guys, this movie made me do research today. Okay. Because I saw what I thought was the most insane thing I think I've ever seen in a movie. And it turns out it's just a fact. So in the opening credits, when the bad guy who's a famous actor, I can't remember. Ed Harris. Ed Harris. When Ed Harris is visiting his wife's grave, his wife's grave literally says his wife on it. And I went, that's insane. Why does it say that? And I actually did research into how Arlington Cemetery classifies uh, the wives of military veterans. And that's totally real. But it's still like I went on this like half an hour long rabbit hole just to find this. Because he'd go into the plot next to her, right? Exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't say like her husband on his plot or it wouldn't like she's just like the weird grave sidecar to him. Yeah. Josh and I had a nice long conversation about the roles of Bond girls. Oh, no. And like, if you look at the Bond Girl Wikipedia page, it's kind of messed up. If you want to hear more about that, go check out the uh, Victims of Villains episode on Gold- Goldfinger. Good. Uh, I'm not going to bore you guys with it here, but I will send it to you in the group chat. Please do. Um, so, you, so Ed Harris is playing the bad guy in this, but he's got a point. Like, he's the one of the most sympathetic Michael Bay villains that I can think of. But then, then again, I like it's kind of hard to make uh, Megatron look good. So, <laughs> well, uh, um, speaking of the whole ex James Bond thing, mm-hmm. um, I watched this movie first, mm-hmm. and then I watched Hunt for Hunt for the Red October. But mm-hmm. when I was watching Hunt Hunt for the Red October, I was thinking back to The Rock, and I was thinking to myself, hmm. Even though Nicolas Cage's character works for the FBI, not the CIA, mm-hmm. his name is not Jack Ryan. In my head, The Rock is an unofficial movie of a fan fiction of what if Jack Ryan and James Bond teamed up to stop a terrorist in San Francisco. No, that totally pans out. Because, I mean, even in the lexicon <laughs> of like Jack Ryan, like, oh, he's just a desk clerk and now yeah. he's an action hero. Like, that's the thing. And, like, that's Nicolas Cage in this. Yeah. So generally good speed. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the fact that like Sean Connery's character is so real well, is so real well, well read. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, okay. Alan brought up a point that I wanted to bring up. Nicolas Cage's name in this is so distracting. Was that just a 90s thing? I think so, because like, you look at a uh, Bond gr- the Bond girls in the nineties. One is like a Christmas, Christmas, Christmas Jones. Yeah, Doctor Christmas Jones. Yeah, but that's so they can say, oh, "I thought Christmas only came once a year." Ha ha ha! Like they had to make that joke, and I hate it. But like, I, I feel like this, like they had a weird thing with last names in the nineties because, like, this one and especially uh, Godzilla, with the running joke of it's Tetopolis. No, I definitely think that was a trope of the of the nineties. I'm glad we stopped it. Yeah. Why? I, <laughs> I don't know. Why did we stop that? I liked it. I, I guess I don't know. I, I just think it's a weird like little kid thing to make fun of a last name. Well, I mean, to me, like 
I can't tell you how much like stress my last name has caused me occasionally. Oh no. Because it's only four letters, but people like to spell it with I's and E's and K's and W's and it just it and one time an X and it just makes no sense to me. So that's why I find the whole last name pun jokes to be funny. All right, I get it. See, I'm the opposite because my last name's Cram and everyone's like, ah, Cram it. The only person whose name is also a sentence. Yep. <laughs> Ouch. And a verb. Yeah. <laughs> So, so a fun bit of trivia about this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bay was getting some flack from the studio for going over budget for the car chase scene mm-hmm. because uh, you had to get all the signatures for anyone who lived in those two blocks. And that took a while. So they were behind. So when he went in to meet with the executives, Sean Connery tagged along because he's Sean Connery and all the executives are like, okay. Whatever, okay. we are good. Like they just they like Sean Connery's like he's doing a good job. Let the boy go. Like, oh. <laughs> you can't tell him Sean, no. Exactly, and Sean Connery didn't want to travel from the island back to the mainland every day after shooting, so he made them build him a cabin on Alcatraz. No, they didn't. They did. Oh my gosh! Hold on. Have you, have you ever been to Alcatraz? No, no. It's so creepy. Like I would never have wanted to stay on Alcatraz. Have you been to Alcatraz, yeah. like on the island? Yeah. Was there yeah, a cabin I, just standing in the middle of nowhere? I wish there was. There absolutely wasn't. But that actually made this a really fun watch because I was like, "Oh, I've been there. I was in that place." Ah, that's not a real place. Yeah. Um. You know, you're telling me it doesn't have like that steam engine going on underneath it. <laughs> With the fire just shooting randomly, it's like the it's like the engine from Galaxy Quest. Like whoever wrote this episode needs to be shot. <laughs> I the big one I think was the morgue. The Morgan real Alcatraz is like a shack, and they put like one body in there because nobody died on Alcatraz. It wasn't this huge complex. Yeah, I feel like the script for for the rock was mostly just a bucket list of words. I want to hear Sean Connery say like the morgue, the rock. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, well, I mean that, and it was like every scene transition. He had a one liner, like either him or Nicholas cage shared a one liner or they just shared like a back and forth. And then it would end their scene. It's like every single time. Um, and I, I enjoyed that this time because I, you know, I was, I was looking for that. I wasn't looking for the actionness of it. I was looking for the more of like John Connery-ness of it. Yeah. Okay. Best one liner in the movie. Go. I this don't might remember be too them much. off the top of my head. Yeah, right so now, this might so. be too much to ask, but I have a very specific one. Go for it. <laughs> it was the whole rocket man bit at the end. <laughs> You're the rocket lied. man. <laughs> I don't like that sissy stuff. Yeah. I like that one. Um, oh, uh, this good, good speed says to Connery, you enjoying this? Well, it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day reading philosophy, avoiding gang rape in the washrooms, though. It's less, <laughs> a pro- less of a problem these days. Maybe I'm losing my sex appeal. <laughs> That's right. I like that one, too. I this was a fun movie. This was definitely, in my opinion, not like a cinematic masterpiece, but this was exactly what I needed today. In my opinion, this is the best film that Michael Bay has ever made. That I agree with. Really? Mm-hmm. That I agree with. Just because it has the camp level of a Michael 
Bay movie, but it's also enjoyable because of the performances of Nick Cage and Sean Connery and Ed Harris and William Forsythe and Michael Bean and John C. McGinley. Like, there's so many good people in this that I think it elevates it to above watchable. Above watchable? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm on board. I mean, I'm looking through his uh, his movies, all of his movies, and like, I, I think I agree. Yeah, I'd much rather watch this than any of the Transformers sequels. Oh. I, sorry. I haven't seen any of them. I, I just thought of my line. My favorite line, line from the movie. It's Nicolas Cage's last line of the film. Do you want to know who shot JFK? Oh, <laughs> As yeah. he's looking at the microfilm. Because <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Like, I completely forgot about that part of the movie where, like, you know, it's like he knew who shot JFK. He knew. I totally forgot that they mentioned the aliens landing at Roswell, New Mexico in this and that he knew about that. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of that scene, Ryan, is the minister chasing after him. Vandalism. Vandalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, oh, boy. I did like that scene where, like, Sean Connery was like, how about going here? He's like, how about Mao? He's like, no go here and then you saw him like disappear in the background i don't know why that was so cool that was so cool uh i didn't like and and i feel like this should be brought up i didn't like the hair the barber at all i feel like that was really an outdated stereotype the the other dad from yes dear (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah that's very that's the worst part of this movie it is yeah it's very 90s stereotypical homophobic yeah portrayal of a gay character and you don't have to have the hairdresser be gay like right or at least that kind of stereotype well okay so he was two things he was you know 90s stereotype gross like version of you know gay man and i didn't like that but he was also very concerned about sean connery getting a good haircut and i wanted more of that if yeah, you just I enjoyed gave me that a, part. Yeah, a straight like, and we, he's in the elevator. He's like, all I care is if you enjoyed your haircut. That was See, what that I want. That I character. liked. Yes, yes. Yeah. I want that character to do that. <laughs> I think in the '90s that played better. I'm sure than it does now. Um, but I do like that line. That's that almost redeems it, but mm-hmm. it's still kind of like Michael Bay. Yeah, That's I know. Gross. I think because, I just like the I idea. Mean, of, yeah. Because, I mean, even that line could have worked with, like, a like a straight character barber who right. shows up. And he could be, like, you know, like, your, your stereotypical male barber who just cares about the hair. Like, he doesn't care about the... He doesn't care about that guy because right. he just, you know, he's he just there to cut the hair. And, you know, he's probably probably self-aware to know that he's not going to be killed because right. he sees what's going on. And he's just like, I, I don't care. Do you like a haircut? <laughs> Look, he is a consummate professional trying to make a living in the hard city of Chicago cutting hair. He keeps getting inmate gigs and this is his big break. All right. Exactly. He needs this review. <laughs> can I change my, uh, Good review my vote on Yelp. for, can I change my vote for, uh, one-liners because i yes. forgot mine um i i do like the uh, sex appeal line but but how in the name of zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right yeah because that's Nicholas- that's peak nick cage in this yeah see yes to me 
it's that whole scene. And I feel like and I feel like this is a great example of Devin, what you were talking about when it came to like how Sean Connery was putting Nicolas Cage in his place when it comes to like chewing through the scene. Yeah. Where like Nicolas Cage is just laying in the jail cell and he's doing typical stressed out like angry Nicolas Cage talking to himself and then yelling at the end of the sentence and then talking mm-hmm. to himself and yelling at the end of the sentence. And he's doing this the entire time. Sean Connery is like whipping the, the weight around on the blanket, trying to get the, the, the trying to get the door open. And he's just letting him have his say. He's just, he's, he, he's not telling him to shut up. He's just doing his thing. And then he opens up his door and, and, and Nicolas Cage is like, Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> just put him in the place. Like, Exactly. And it's a perfect example of that. You know, I I appreciated that a lot of these movies that we watched weren't necessarily like a this is a really bad villain kind of movie. Like, I liked the moment when Sean Connery was like, this bad guy we're chasing is a soldier. You're going to be fine. He's not going to he's not going to detonate anything over Chicago or sorry, over San Francisco. He really cares about like he really cares about like the people. And I was like, oh, like that makes him kind of a cool guy. Like he just, you know, has a point. Especially he's, at the end when he was like, yeah, no, that they called your bluff. And then yeah. he's like, yeah, they, yeah, no, just go home. They right. called us. Right. Or or that scene where they were um, they were going to like shoot the other like group of soldiers. I think they were in the showers and they were going to they were like the bad guys group was on the landing above. Oh, yeah. And they were like aiming down. He didn't want it. You know he didn't want to kill those guys, but like circumstances made it happen and he felt really bad about it afterwards. Case yeah. in point, when they stole the when they stole the virus, they were using trank darts. Right. When they but, went into the base to steal the the weapons, they were using trank darts. Yeah, and I I, I think it elevated what could have been a very black and white, like Bond villain esque movie, like to something yeah. that's actually that I really enjoyed. Yeah. All right. I think that about does it for The Rock. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap this up, any other Sean Connery roles that you want to bring up that we haven't touched on yet? Oh, man. Okay. So I have... I was going... So my original one for this one is I was going to make you guys watch From Russia with Love. Um, <clears throat> have any of you seen that one? No, yep. but I'm going to be going through all of the Bond movies before the new one comes out. So, wow, that's ambitious. Um, I got time. They keep pushing it back. So I've got more and more time. That's true. Uh, I said I was going to do this for when it was coming out in March. And then I said it for when it was coming out in November. Now I have until next March. So, (laughs) Hmm. um, it's one of my favorite, like earliest Connery, like memories that I have, I think. And it was the one that like, I think he was, he was James Bond first. And then like they brought in, I think T Dalt, and then they brought Connery back for that movie, and he just is so good in it. Oh, from Russia with Love? Yeah. N- no, that's the second one. They brought him back for... Um, you Only Live Twice? Never Say Never Again. Oh, did they? Yeah, and that's I not an official... I didn't think they brought him back. I thought that he did that on his own. He Yeah, they kind of yeah, did, yeah. did it on the side. It wasn't an official Bond movie. It was like, that's hey, right. we have the rights to this story because it was already made, so we're going to remake Thunderball. You. Yeah. It gets yeah, weird with the rights to James Bond. Yeah, because he said that he would never do it. Like he was quoted in like an interview somewhere saying that he was done with James Bond and he never wanted to do it again. And then that's why they named the movie Never Say Never Again. Oh, that's funny, and I hate it. 
Why? I, that. I don't. But it's I, fun to say. It's fun to say as Sean Connery. Never say never again. It is funny. I just don't like that like nod of like. Remember the time he said he'd never do this role? Look at him doing it. I don't. Yeah, I, feel I like know. That's but mean. I, no, 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 no. He, he's he's the one that said it, and then he's the one that recommended the title. Oh, okay. Then that makes me feel better. I thought it was like the director being cheeky. No, it's Sean Connery what? being cheeky. It's Sean Connery <laughs> being cheeky. Um, Ryan, how about you? Any other Sean Connery movies? I'm looking through them right now, but to be perfectly honest, I mean, besides Hunt for Hunt for the Red October, I'd have to say Thunderball. Like that's my favorite Bond movie with him. Okay, nice. The only Bond movie with him I've seen is Goldfinger. And to hear my thoughts on that, go check out Victims and Villains in <laughs> uh, their episode on that. Um, I think the first movie of his that I saw in theaters was probably League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Because I feel like I saw that at the drive-ins. I wanted to and ask about this. If this is a long that, story, we don't have to get into it. That's fine. Why did it make him quit acting? He had such a bad experience with the production. The director no. was in over their head. Uh, they fought a lot, and he's like, "I don't want to do this anymore." Wow. Um, he also was offered like the Matrix and didn't understand it, so he passed. Oh no! And he was offered Lord of the Rings and didn't understand it, so he passed. And then he got this script <laughs> and didn't understand it, so he took it. <laughs> oh man! So. Yeah, that's why. Poor Sean Connery. Because I thought he was good in that movie. Imagine him as Gandalf, though. That'd be amazing. You shall not pass. Oh my gosh. I would love that. You shall not pass. Like oh, his, just like his accent. Accent Fly drawn out. Like his Fly. accent drawn out. Oh my god, that would have been horrible. I'm sorry. No, you but wouldn't no. have liked it? I would have laughed so hard in the theater throughout the whole movie if he was... Gandalf? No, I would not be able to take the character seriously. No, he's gonna play. He's gonna play Frodo. He's gonna play Frodo. That's even worse. Oh, that's even worse. No, I could Sam see him Weiss. as the Ranger. Samwise would be Mr. Frodo. Maybe not the Ranger. I could see him as the human. The not the Ranger, but the other one. Bermier went on the quest. I guess. I don't know. The one that was like red, he wore red, I think, and black. Like he, he was like your typical yeah. human that was like very like susceptible to the like greed of the ring. Yeah. And he died in the in the first one. Yes. I yeah. feel like he would have been good for that character. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been great for that character. Yeah. On a serious touch. But everybody else. No. I mean, maybe an elf. That would have been good. That would have been funny. You could replace him with um, Sam. My. Christopher Lee. You can replace Christopher Lee with him. I think that would work. Yeah, what I can agree with that. Him? That was the he was the other wizard that was Gandalf. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know Lord of the Rings. That. I saw it once. Oh, that's a shame. They're good movies. All right. Anything else on Sean Connery before we wrap this thing up? We've strayed from Sean Connery at this point. Hmm. Have we? A little I'm bit. Good. That's not what your mother said last night. <laughs> Oh. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this triple feature. Um, so tune in next week when Ryan has us uh, backtrack a little bit to baseball, uh, which just ended its 
abbreviated season. <laughs> and we, we talk about the movie Moneyball, starring yep. Brad Pitt and uh, what's his name? Jonah Hill. Wait, really? Uh, yeah. Oh. Spoilers. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, until next time, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podbean app, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, TuneIn. You can have you can play us on your Alexa device. We are also on iHeartRadio. And until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan Cram. Uh, I'm Ryan. <laughs> I'm Devin. You guys got to do it in the action. Come on. And I'm Devin. I tried. I don't do accents. And we'll see you next week. I'm so sad you didn't do it, Ryan. 